Welcome to Mr. Bait and Switch. Ghost stories to keep you and your organization alive. Each of these stories is written to reflect on life-giving insights, but you have to figure out what the insight is that will keep you alive. For more information and reflection and discussion questions, go to spacepainter.com. And now, let's get to our next story. Habits Written by J. Thomas Sparrow and read by Geraldine Hoxie Sparrow Everything was on schedule after Bob's death. His resume had been accepted, his interview had gone well, and now it was time to return to his old job and get some answers. On his first day back, the boss, Gary Miller, said to him, By the way, if you want to look like a college kid, I think your hair is perfect. But if you want to step into the adult world, get a haircut. Bob knew that the belittling comment about his hair was coming. It was his boss's way. Of course, no one at the company recognized Bob. He was old when he had died, and now he had taken on a younger form and a new name. Mode Engineering did aeronautical contract work. It was a small firm, and this was a tiny team of four people. It wasn't long before his co-worker, Baxter Brown, turned his focus to Bob's new last name. Smaley. <laughs> That's a good last name. I'm sure it has served you well, Mr. Bob Smelly. Or is it Smiley? Bob laughed. He was used to this kind of hurtful treatment. After some orientation, they put Bob to work. Their project was due in 17 days. They were analyzing the effects of five different metal densities on engine harnesses. As Bob started his introductory assignment on his computer, Beatrice Jones came over to him. She leaned in and put both hands on his desk. Just so you know, everything you produce, we are going to go over with a fine-tooth comb. You think you are hot stuff, Mr. Summa Cum Laude. Well, you're about to enter the real world. He smiled. Bob knew that Beatrice was amazing, but like Gary and Baxter, she had her problems. Bob had worked for another firm until he reached his mandated retirement age. Then he joined this firm, which was happy to hire him. Everything was at a slower pace here, and he had more time to get to know his co-workers. He knew these three people better than anyone else. He had worked with them for the last eight years, right up until his death. Before Bob left this earth, he wanted to see what had made them so petty. Each member of the team was brilliant, but they behaved like children. He had learned to let their insults roll off him like water. Yet, he wondered why they were so unkind and at the same time caring. These three people were the only ones who had come to his funeral. Bob had died alone, bald and old but now he was in his 20s and had hair past his shoulders. Almost every day for eight years, his boss Gary had some comment about his being bald. They still echoed in Bob's head, Boy, that's shiny. Smoother than a baby's bottom. The conehead is in the building. 
Gary was always commenting on people's hair, and never once that Bob could remember was the comment complimentary. Walking into Gary's office, Bob was about to find out what was going on in his boss's mind. Without Gary realizing it, Bob stepped into Gary, entering him at will. Bob did a ghost merge. Bob was inside Gary. He made his way into Gary's brain. It was overwhelming. All the thoughts, the insecurities, the pressures, the hopes, the love of his children, his wife, his staff. Bob searched for the thought train that contained hair. Didn't take long. He dug into the memory bank. There were thousands of memories there. Bob was amazed at the variety of ways Gary had insulted people over the years. Did you get caught in a windstorm? Has a cuckoo bird nested on your head? Deeper and deeper, Bob sorted through the memories. He was looking for the first memory, the oldest entry in the file. And there it was, fully intact. Little Gary is sitting on the kitchen chair, a towel over his shoulder, his mom cutting his hair. The phone rings. She picks it up. She keeps cutting Gary's hair, but she isn't paying close attention. She finishes the call and takes off the towel. She looks at Gary and laughs. The haircut is uneven. He looks so funny. She laughs and laughs. Father gets home. He laughs. Brother laughs. The neighbors laugh. Everyone laughs at Gary. 46 years later, Gary insults people daily about their hair. Bob stepped out of Gary's skin. He looked at Gary. It is good to be working here. Thanks for hiring me. Okay, long hair, just get back to work. Gary paused, looking at him. But Bob, know that my door is always open. That phrase, the door is always open, reminded Bob of his former house. He had accumulated so much stuff that he couldn't shut any of the interior doors. And he couldn't open the back door because it was blocked with books and packages. He smiled. He could name every book in the pile against the back door. Bob walked to his desk and sat down. He looked over to Baxter. Baxter had a way of making fun of people that wasn't fun for anybody but Baxter. He noticed Bob looking at him. Yeah, you can look at me all you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to get any smarter. Bob got up and walked toward Baxter. Where are you going, smartass? Bob ignored the comment and walked behind Baxter and jumped into him. His feet entered at Baxter's shoulders. Plop. He went all the way in. Wow. Baxter's mind was traveling at full speed. He was analyzing everything he saw. Bob was searching for insults. There was a huge jumble of them. The memory stream was loaded. Hey, dumbass, you sit on your brains. Hey, Pinocchio, it looks like you haven't told the truth in a long, long time. You sure do smell good when you eat onions. Where did it all start? What was the root memory? Bob was going through chronologically 
and there it was. Baxter is a sophomore in high school. No one ever pays attention to him. He is smart and funny, but no one ever notices. One of the cool kids is picking on a student who has dropped his cafeteria tray. The cool kid is pointing a finger at him and laughing. Lots of others are joining in and pointing their fingers and laughing. Baxter notices the kid has dropped his tray with chicken fingers on it. Baxter shouts out, let's give him more than a chicken finger. Let's give him a hand. Baxter starts clapping and the whole cafeteria joins in. From that day forward, Baxter's pattern was set. All of his insults followed from that one moment. Bob pulled out. He had seen enough. He was glad to get out of Baxter's head. Get back to your desk, rookie. You're benched, said Baxter. A few minutes later, when Beatrice walked by, Bob hitched a ride. She was headed to pour a cup of coffee for herself. By the time she picked up the cup, Bob was part of her. Bob explored her mind. He was looking for why it was that Beatrice never complimented anyone's work but her own. He quickly saw that she had a huge file of memories admiring other people's work. But it always led to disdain. Bob looked deeper. He tracked her neural pathways until he came to the crossroads, the very first intersection of trouble. It was the last day of school in fourth grade. She is one of the people who have brought in the extra credit science report. She is proud of her work. The teacher has promised that the three best reports will be up on the corkboard after recess. She is sure hers will be among them. She can't wait for recess to be over. Beatrice races into the classroom, but her report isn't on the board. She can't believe it. She starts to cry. Her teacher asks her what is wrong. She says, I wanted my report to be one of the best. I don't recall getting a report from you. Beatrice thinks that means that the report was so unmemorable her teacher had already forgotten it. Beatrice goes back to her seat without a word. Bob traveled through her unconscious memories to the moment that Beatrice had turned in the report. She lays it on her teacher's desk. There is a fan in the room blowing on the desk. The report slips off the desk and falls into the trash can. She had buried the whole disappointment in the back of her brain. But every day of her life since then, she can't stand for other people to get recognition. Bob released Beatrice and was now standing in the break room. She finished pouring her coffee and was startled to see Bob. She smiled, though, and said, the coffee's always hot and we keep creamer in the fridge. Sitting at his desk, Bob wondered what he would find if he went into his own mind. Why was he in this office? Why did he come back here? He had no one in his life. His wife had divorced him 45 years ago. He had no children, no parents, no cousins, no room to walk in his house. All he had was his work and this team of injured individuals. He liked them. He would miss them. He knocked on the opened door of Gary's office. I don't think this is a good fit for me. 
An hour later, Beatrice, Gary, and Baxter were shaking his hand goodbye. I told you it wouldn't be as easy as college, Beatrice said. Get a haircut, and maybe you'll get a new perspective, Gary added. Two thumbs up for the guy who's ready to do some serious thumb twiddling, Baxter said. Bob walked out the door and lost his youthful appearance on the sidewalk. His long hair slipped onto the grass and disappeared like snow on a warm day. Bob felt the pain of his teammates, their brilliance, and their insecurity. He knew they needed someone to understand them. Or was it, Bob wondered, that they needed to understand themselves? Either way, it was time for Bob to leave. He was ready to face his own truths. The old, bald man stepped into his future and disappeared into the afternoon sun. Thanks for listening to Mr. Bait and Switch, ghost stories to keep you and your organization alive. Remember, to see reflection and discussion questions, go to spacepainter.com. This podcast is brought to you by Resounding Source Audio.